It says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go and call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well spoken, thou hast no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mount. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father speaketh such, seeketh such to worship him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he cometh, when he come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speaketh unto you, unto thee am he. Let's stop right there. The only Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come and uh, to be here at the church today, Lord. And I thank you for the group of people that's gathered together. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be an encouragement to them and a blessing. And Lord, uh, you would just challenge each one of our hearts, Lord, with your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through us the things that we can't, we don't even 
Lord, without your help, Lord, we can say nothing that will change the hearts of men, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would use us, Lord, not only here, but Lord, around the world, Lord, to reach the lost. Lord, help us to remain faithful. Help us not to grow weary, but Lord, just keep pushing forward, trusting you and your name. Amen. I want to look at this passage this morning because I want to challenge you about uh, something that I think is that God's spoken to my heart. You know, it's it's easy. A lot of times we preach and we preach doctrine, and I, I think doctrine is very important. But sometimes we, we preach things that God has preached in our own lives. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. But it's out of this passage right here. And we're actually going to be looking just at the first couple of verses. But I wanted to read uh, the passage up there through the paragraph so you get the context of what's going on. I know a lot of us probably know that, but there may be some that don't uh, know exactly what happened. But in the first part of this, this chapter, uh, if we look just through the first few verses, I think we can draw some things that we can learn from as we try to reach out into our communities, as we try to reach people with the gospel. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I grew up in church, just to give you a little bit of background, okay, since you don't know anything about me. I'm a missionary. We are serving in Italy and Savinia. And uh, I, I actually accepted Christ as my savior as a young child. Uh, my parents, I always kind of go back to my parents. My parents both grew up in uh, religious homes. Okay, they were part of what was the old Puritan church. Uh, I'm from New England originally. Okay, so I'm not, that's why we recognize you guys were from not from around here either. Okay, but uh, my dad grew up outside of Boston, and my mom grew up in upstate New Hampshire. And uh, they they got married, and they were not saved, and they moved to a little town in upstate New York. And it was there that, as a result of a coworker that my dad was working with. Uh, my dad was reading his Bible and he's asking his co-worker questions that he came to know Christ as his Savior. And then my mom accepted the Lord shortly after that. And I start there because understand that each one of our salvations is a miracle. Can I just tell you something? God works a miracle in each one of our lives. And he does it. He uses people. You know, he does use people. And that's why we're here. We're here to be ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, the Bible says. And so that's our that's our whole reason once we've been saved to still be here. Otherwise, God would just take us home to heaven and we could be with him for all eternity. And so, you know, my parents, that was just before I was born. They, they had accepted Christ and that, you know, they got excited. They wanted to do something for God. And just like right here, you guys are establishing a new church, uh, you know, that's exactly what my parents did. My parents got involved with a, a couple other families and they, there was no Bible preaching church there in, in Chatham, New York or anywhere even close within an hour or so of that area. And so they began to meet together in a Bible study. And then uh, later on, they were able to call a church planning missionary and they came and they helped establish uh, that church, the Bible Baptist church in Ghent, New York. It's there today, still preaching the gospel, a little country church, a lot like you guys. Okay. And um, so I was born into a brand new Christian home. I was born into a brand new uh, Bible preaching church. And so I heard the gospel. And I think this is something that we need to recognize that, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, you know, we should be able to give the gospel one time. And people should accept the Lord. Now, stop and think about this. OK, that that was kind of the philosophy back a while ago. OK, at least from my point of view. But listen. Stop and think about how many times most of us heard the gospel or were influenced by other people before we came to actually accept Christ and put our faith and trust in him. And that's exactly in my life. If you think about it, I heard the gospel from a very early age. 
And it wasn't until I was quite a bit older that I came to the recognition, you know, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me of my sin. And I recognized my need for salvation. I recognized I needed a savior and I put my faith and trust in Christ. And so uh, I, I share that with you because I want you to understand that I've grown up in church. But this is one of the problems we have. You know, in churches, a lot of times we hear, you know, we're hearing, okay, John 3, 16, for God so love the world, okay? And we, we, we recognize that God loved the world. But we, and we recognize that, uh, that we need to reach the world with the gospel, okay? But that's a really big, you know, if you think about it, that's a big, massive term, okay? That's kind of just a generality. I'm not making light of John 3, 16, by the way. Sure. I'm just helping us to understand it. I think we need to make it a little bit more personal, okay? Because when we talk about the world, it's like, okay, so we're going to give a few bucks in the, you know, for the missions program or whatever, and we're going to reach the world. And we can talk about, understand what I'm saying here. We talk about reaching the world. It's way bigger than any of us can reach. Right. Okay. I mean, even if we started today, we never ate, we never drank, we never did anything. And we just went out there and started talking to people about Christ. And we could meet people, you know, every like five minutes. Okay. Someone new. You realize you wouldn't even come close to reaching the world. Okay. Even if this whole church, even if every Christian that every born-again believer in all of Tennessee were to start, it, it's, you still would not be able to reach the world. Okay, so when we're thinking about trying to reach people with the gospel, trying to be a testimony in this world, I think we need to bring it down on a lot lower level. I mean, even if we came down and we said, okay, Cookville, okay, and we want to reach everybody in Cookville, you realize even this group of people could not reach everybody in Cookville on a personal level. Do you understand? But literally, personally talking to them. This is too many people. Okay? So where do we really come down to? We have to stop and we have to get right down to this, that God has called us to reach the people right around us. Okay? Right around us. In other words, God has called us to reach the people that we're rubbing shoulders with. And the reason I'm saying that is that if we get, if we get a local vision, a small vision of what God wants us to do, okay? And that's going to get us involved in trying to reach people with the gospel. Yeah. Because how does Christ reach people? How do we reach people with the gospel? It's just one by one, right. just one person at a time. God's not, now listen, should we be involved as a church? The goal of the church is to go out and preach the gospel to everyone, right? And that's the goal of the church, and we understand that. But we're all part of the church, and we're trying to accomplish that goal. How do we do it at a practical level? And that's really what I want to talk about today out of this passage right here. Because we see Christ giving us an example, a very good example, and very practical of reaching someone with the gospel. And the first thing I want you to see is, uh, and I'm saying this because, to be honest with you, I, like I said, I grew up in church. Let me take a step back. I grew up back in church, and I learned all, you know, we got to evangelize. We got to do this and we got to do this. We got to get out there. But, but, you know, as I, as I've grown older, what I've noticed in my own life and what I, I noticed in the church was this, that as a church, we become somewhat inwardly focused. Okay. And the truth is, you know, my family, we're born again believers, you know, we're, we, and we should have good Christian friends and we should be involved with our church and we should be, but you know what? Sometimes we become so focused inwardly that we're not reaching outwardly. And so that's what I want you to look at here. And you say, well, we go on visitation, but beyond that, okay? Okay, so let's look at this first of all. The first thing I want you to think about is this. Jesus went the wrong way. 
He went the wrong way. All right. Now, we all know this. If we've been in church very long and we've studied this passage, we know that this was not the well-established. He went, he said, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. Okay. Now, this was not the normal way that the, if you'll let me use this term, that the church crowd at this age went. Okay. They didn't go through Samaria. And the reason they didn't go through Samaria is because those Samaritans, they were a bunch of heathen, good-for-nothing, half-breed, you know, non-believers, okay? And that's that's how they looked at them. I mean, they considered them worse than Gentiles, okay? And they called Gentiles dogs, okay? So they were really, I mean, they were worse than dogs. And so they didn't go through Samaria. What they did is they'd go down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They'd cross the Jordan River. Then they'd go up, they'd go up the east side of the Jordan River. They'd get to the top right there by the Sea of Galilee. They'd cross back over the Jordan River, and then they'd be in Galilee. But Jesus says, the Bible says, he must needs go through Samaria. So he went the wrong way. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, did he change, did he change his beliefs? No. Did he change, uh, you know, what was right and wrong? No. Okay. Did he say, I'm going to get like the world, you know, to join the world? No. Okay. He simply went out of his way. He went the wrong way. He got out. Where ne not necessarily the crowd, the religious crowd of that day was going. He went to the people that they were neglecting. And so he went the wrong way. And uh, it wasn't convenient. It wasn't comfortable. And, you know, these are the things that we need to think about in our lives. Am I willing to go out of my way? Am I willing to go the wrong way to try to reach someone with the gospel? Am I out in my community trying to reach people that are not part of my group, that are not in my little circle of friends are we reaching out you know I, we serve in europe and to be honest it's not very hard all i have to do is walk out my door because nobody's in my group okay <laughs> you know they're all they're, they're all unsafe but you under i mean most believers in europe to be honest with you you say well we just have a little church here can i be honest with you a lot of people in europe wish they had a church like yours okay because a lot of them, it's a believer here, and then there's another believer 45 minutes over here. They don't really have a whole lot of Christian fellowship. And so it's not very hard to go out of your way. But listen, we need to go out of our way. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to reach out to the people around us. Most Americans, if there's one thing I've learned, and I was, I'm an American, okay, is that most Americans don't even know who their neighbor is, okay? They don't even know who the guy, person is that lives next to them. They don't know the person that lives across the street. They don't know the person that lives just a little ways down the street. And I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying a lot of Americans don't know who they are. I was When I first got back, we, uh, we were out in Oklahoma City. Now, I'll be honest, I do not want to live in Oklahoma City. You know, if God puts me in Oklahoma City, that's fine. But it was so, I, 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 I could not believe it. I mean, that city's grown. It's just grown and grown. Has anybody been out there? Okay, so you know, you may know what I'm talking about. There's these huge housing developments that go for miles, and they're just, they're just house, 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 and they all look exactly the same. Okay, they're all the same kind of drab, gray, uh, you know, disgusting color. Okay, and, and, and you know, I, I went out, I like to walk, okay. And I, I don't get to do as much of it back here, but I like to walk. And, and you know, in, in the morning, I went out for, I'd go out for walks. And you know what? I found nobody was outside. I didn't meet anybody. I mean, I think they got in their cars in the garage and they drove out and they left and they never, I went, anyway, I was walking around and I came to this house that was obviously one of the original houses in that area. It was an old farmhouse. 
And uh, I went up, they had some sheep and I wanted to go up there and I wanted to try to meet the people because my children, I mean, I was thinking maybe they could come down and see the sheep. Okay. So I went up to the door and I was just surprised how terrified the person was. They didn't even want to open their door. And all I was going to do is, I, I mean, I did pick up a conversation with them and I was able to spend a little time. I was even able to give them a gospel track. But my point is this, we've got to get out there, reach these people. You know, I'll give you an example in, in Trieste, in Trieste, I mean, I'm sorry, in Savinia, in Savinia, we had an opportunity, uh, you know, I've been, we distribute literature through all of our area. Over there, you have like a township. It, you guys would understand this from New England, okay? You have like a township. It's kind of like a county. It's a small county, like down here in the south. And, but a township, you have like a central town, and then you have a lot of villages that surround that town. So in our township, we have the central village of Postona, and then we have about 30 villages that surround that. They're all part of Postona but they're not actually in post on it, if that makes sense to you. Okay, so uh, we have finished all of our area. We've been working on the surrounding townships. And one of them is uh, just over a little bit. And there was this little tiny town way up in this valley, this little tiny valley. And uh, the truth is, most people would say, you know, that isn't even worth going there and passing out literature because there's just so many, there's so few houses. We need to go some, but God laid on my heart to go up here and uh, it was just before COVID, and I got up there, and it was about seven houses. I had to walk. You couldn't drive place to place. I parked my car uh, someplace, and I don't even remember where I, I – I might even have walked up there. It's about five miles to the north of us. And I uh, got up there, and I walked. We had to, I had to walk about three miles to get to seven houses, okay? So I had to walk quite a ways to get to those, three those seven houses. But you know what? Uh, the last house I went to, I met a man named Miro, and that means peace. And Miro was outside his house. And uh, when I went out there in Europe, we can actually put stuff in the mailboxes. So we'll put it in the mailboxes. But then as I meet people, then I try to talk to them. And Miro came out when I got to his place. He came out and he, he started talking to me about, he wanted, he was interested in talking to me about God. And he's one of the few people I've actually been able to have a continuing witness with him. Did has Miro accepted the Lord at this point? No. But, you know, I've been able to go back multiple times. Now when we go back in just a couple of days, then I'll go see Miro again, and I'll talk to him about the Lord. I believe that he will accept the Lord. He's open. He's listening. But, you know, if I hadn't gone out of my way, the wrong way, to meet him, guess what? I would have never met him. And I'm just sharing examples. You know, we have people that we work with, people that we live next to. Uh, people that we meet when we're shopping and doing all these things. And I know this is nothing new, but listen, we've got to step out of our comfort zone and we've got to try to meet people on a personal level. You know, in, in Europe, what we've learned is this. We've learned that, and I'm not against distribution. We do distribute tracks. I know you guys were downstairs folding tracks. I think it's important to keep on using tracks. But can I tell you, it's also important to go out there and meet people at a personal level. Right. make friends with them okay hey listen i'm not talking about getting involved in their lifestyles and stuff like that but be a friend people you know what people are looking for hope in this world and if you'll be a friend to them it'll open a door that you'll never have if you just give them i mean like i said give them a gospel track but also be a friend to them yeah. take time to be a friend to them so go the wrong way he went the wrong way okay it wasn't convenient wasn't comfortable it wasn't the accepted norm but he went out to reach them. Number two, I want you to see. If you, so you, you see, first of all, that Jesus went 
the wrong way. He must needs go through Samaria. But the next thing I want you to look at is we've already looked at this woman, but he goes, he goes to the city and he meets a woman. Okay. The Bible tells us that in verse six, it says, now Jacob's well was there and Jesus, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Listen, he went to the wrong person. Okay. Now he went to the wrong person doubly so. If you think about it within the culture he was living in, first of all, she was a Samaritan. Okay. Second of all, she was a woman. Okay. He went to all the wrong, from their point of view, he went to the wrong group of people. Okay. Uh, went to the wrong person, I should say. And you understand that there's a lot of people, you know, they're thinking about their witnessing and they're thinking, you know what, if I could get, if I could just, you know what? And I understand there's a tendency to think this way. You know, if this person would just accept the Lord, think about what they could do for God. Okay. That's not how Jesus works. Okay. Because if that was how he was looking, this is not the person he would have gone to. Okay. He would have been looking for one of the, the chief people in the village. It would have been a man or, or maybe not even a Samaritan. He would have been looking for someone of power and authority. Instead, he goes there to meet, and the Bible says he must needs go to Samaria. He went there to meet one person, and that one person he went to go meet was this woman at the well. Hey, it wasn't coincidence that he was there at noon. It wasn't coincidence he was at that well. If he knew that she had five husbands and was shacked up with someone who wasn't her husband, listen, do you not think that he knew that she was going to be there at the well? Yes, he did. You know what? You say, well, I'm not God. I can't know that. But can I tell you, you do have the Holy Spirit living in you. You know what? And he is God. And he can direct you just like he directed Jesus Christ, just like Jesus Christ knew that. He, he can help you. You have God living in you. And the point I'm making is this. There is really no wrong person. Okay? But God has people specifically that he wants you to meet. And if you'll let him guide you, he will give you those divine appointments and it's not by mistake, okay? He has you there to reach that person. And it may not be the people you think. Listen, she had everything going wrong for her. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. She was living in adultery. She was, had been married five times. I mean, she was a mess. She was a mess. But yet God loved her. Amen. God loved her. And can I tell you, that's exactly how we need to look at people. And I'm, I'm, listen, I'm as guilty as anyone you know, we all know that God loves everybody, and that's easy to say, but it's a lot harder to live, okay? And, you know, I grew up in church. You know, I was, I was, you know, I was raised to, you know, to honor God, to live right, and I think that's important. I, I'm for holiness. I'm for separation. I, I believe in that. But listen, we have got to reach out to these people out here. We are no better than they are. You know, I went in the Marine Corps when I was right out of high school. Uh, I was 19, went in the Marine Corps. I lived with those guys. I lived with those guys closer than, than most people live with their wives, okay? For, I mean, because, I mean, you know, I was deployed. I mean, you, you laugh at me, but literally during that time, I had a friend, Todd. Uh, you know, he was deployed. Him and I were deployed together over the five years we were in New River originally. I mean, we spent more time together than he spent with his wife. And, I mean, that you know, we sleep in these, I mean, you, I'm just anyway. You guys have been in the military. You don't know what I'm talking about. You're close, okay? You and so, you know what I learned about was this: there wasn't a whole lot of difference between them and I, except for one thing. I had Jesus Christ as my personal savior. 
In other words, I could be just as guilty if I, you know, now I'm not saying I went in there and I lived a wicked lifestyle and things like that, but I recognize that the decision to make the decision not to sin was because of what Christ had done in my heart. It wasn't because I was a good person. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit lives in us and he gives us that ability to choose between right and wrong. You know what? They're sinners. They just do what sinners do. And the truth is, if I was a sinner, just like if I hadn't accepted Christ, I'd be just like them doing the same things they were doing. And so, uh, you know, I recognize that there were, I wasn't better than them. And the truth is, none of us would ever say that. OK, you know, when I was growing up in church, I wouldn't be like, well, I think I'm better than them. But we oftentimes live like we're better. OK, we may not do it consciously. We may not do it thinkingly. But the truth is, we often do think of ourselves as being better. So we need to avoid that and understand that, listen, it doesn't make a difference what a person looks like. It doesn't make a per difference where the person comes from. It doesn't make a difference what they sound like. Listen, God loves them and God has sent us to reach them. Uh, I have some examples of this, you know, Europe. Europe is the kind of place now America is quickly becoming Europe. Uh, and if God does not send revival, it will be Europe uh, very soon. But, uh, you know, Europe is a place that's very hard. I'll be honest with you. As far as mission work, it's extremely hard. Uh, the truth is very few people survive in Europe as missionaries for very long because they get discouraged and they simply leave. Okay, because it is very, very slow. We lost this last year. We've already lost three missionaries out of the former Yugoslavia, and we're at the verge of losing a fourth one. And you say, well, how many missionaries does that leave? As far as I know, and there may be someone I don't know about, okay, but as far as I know right now, as far as independent Baptists, we have a grand total of four missionaries in the former Yugoslavia. That would be, that's Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia. Serbia, and Kosovo, and Montenegro. That's a lot of countries with only four missionaries. And Italy is a country of over 60 million people. We, as we counted them up the other day. As far as I know, we have right now somewhere between 16 and 18 independent Baptist missionaries in a, in a country of 60 million. There's not very many, okay? And I'm going to tell you, there's not very many churches over there. Uh, in the area we were working in, in Savinia, where we were actually living, where we, our house is actually still there, literally within 45 minutes of any direction of our house, there is not, there's not just not an independent Baptist church. There's not a, there is not a, uh, any kind of church as far as evangelical type, any kind of church other than a Catholic church anywhere within 45 minutes in any direction. So it's pretty, you know, my kids come back and they're in America and it's like, that. Yeah, there's like a Baptist church there and there's a Baptist church there and there's a Baptist church there and there's a Baptist church there. There's like five Baptist churches on this same street. I like, I know, I know. <laughs> they're totally blown away. Okay. They've never seen that. Okay. Because in Europe, that's just not how it is. But you know what? God loves Europeans. Amen. He wants to reach them with the gospel. They may be the wrong people. A lot of people would say, well, they're not interested, so they shouldn't be witnessed to. Listen, God still loves them, and they are still coming to Christ. You know, I'm glad you're live streaming. Do you realize that people, most of the Europeans that I've met that have accepted the Christ as their Savior recently, you know how they were reached right there by live stream? They're being reached. You don't know who's listening. So even your church can have an impact around the world. I encourage churches to live stream. Hey, listen, everybody else is doing it. We need to be out there sharing the gospel, okay? 
They need to be able to hear the truth. And trust me, if they are seeking the truth, God makes a way for them to hear the truth. And so if, if we'll just get it, if we'll get out there and do what God's asked us to do, we can do. There's no wrong person. I think of another young lady. Her name's Anara. We were in, we were in Kyrgyzstan and uh, we worked in an orphanage. So that's how we got in the country. And Anara is a little girl. She was about that. When, when I left there, she was about that tall. She was, I think, around five years old when we left. And Anara is a, is a little girl uh, that, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, is it really worth going there and trying to reach this person? You know, is she really going to? Yes. Okay. She doesn't have, she doesn't look like very much, but praise God, she's accepted the Lord. And I just talked to her. I talked to her just before we came back, uh, back here in March. Okay. She called, I was able to call up and we were just talking and she came on the phone and we talked to some of the children and she was there and she came up and she started talking to me on the, on like the, I think it's Skype, you know, on one of those video conference type things. And, uh, it was really, it was fun to listen to her talk about how she's doing. I said, so Anara, you must've gotten really, you know, you've really grown up by now. She's like 17, 18 years old now. And she told me, I'm going to say it wrong, but she basically said, brother Daniel, I'm really tall. I'm really beautiful and I'm really smart. Okay. <laughs> very confident. Okay? Very confident. Uh, just like her sister. She's only probably about that tall. Okay. <laughs> She's not very tall. Okay. But praise God. But you know, this is what she told me. She said, brother Daniel, she said, I don't know if you remember. And I do remember. Okay. But she said, you one time you took me and she had been asking about, uh, she, we've been preaching because we had church service right there in the orphanage. We invited people from the area. And, uh, she said, you know, one time you took me and we, we talked, you had Karina as another of the girls that I used as a translator when I was dealing with this kind of thing. And so she said, she said, you and Karina talked to me about, uh, about salvation. She said, she said, brother Daniel, I didn't accept the Lord at that time, but God did save me and thank you for being here. And so you don't know, you know, it's, a, you know, you say she's five years old. Does it make a difference? Yes, it does. Okay. We need to be witnessing to those. I think of another lady, she's not saved yet. And I'm not going to tell you her name because we're live streaming because the people listen, but she's a lady that we met and you know, her, she's, I'll just call her Jane. Okay. If you don't mind a little, platter, okay. But Jane, you know, she, that's not a very good Savinian name, but she's a Savinian. Okay. <laughs> you know, she's, She's a lady that a lot of people, you know, she's she's into all kinds of spiritualism, and that's very popular in Europe now. Is spiritualism really just a return to paganism? Okay, and she's really into that. And uh, she, we met her through teaching English. Okay, uh, they we had a group coming over, a couple coming over, and they wanted to teach some English, and I needed a place to do it. And so someone introduced me to this lady, and uh, we went there and met her. And uh, she had a, she ran a community center and she wanted people to come in and do these kind of activities. And so she arranged everything for us. And uh, we got we started to, to develop a friendship with this lady. Well, you know, over time, uh, we were able to we had the English, the group come and do the English classes. And that opened the door for us to be able to talk to start talking to her about the Lord. Now, we've known her for about three years. And you know what? slowly but steadily we keep on witnessing to her and we keep we've made a friendship with her now listen a lot of people if they saw nina you know in the christian circles we like man alive don't don't you don't need to deal with that lady she's messed up okay she's got all kinds of weird thoughts and weird thinking and all this other stuff but you know what nina is a woman that i'm sorry to set her name is <laughs> someone that we love and we care about and she's our friend okay now what do i what would i love to see 
I want to see Nina accept the Lord. And I believe that God is working in our heart. Just before we left, my wife had another opportunity to talk to her about the Lord. The next day I came in, it was like literally the day before we left. And I had to go in and sign a few papers and take care of a few things before we left. And she told me, she said, she was passing out the door. And she said, I've been spending the whole night thinking about your wife and what she said was talking to me about. Listen, God is working on her heart. You know, even people who seem like they aren't interested, that they aren't involved, you know, they're all caught up in everything else. You know what? God still loves them. We need to go to the wrong person, but it's the right person. My wife is sitting here right now. My wife grew up in a broken home. Her, her mother, her mother and father got divorced when she was a young child. Her mother was very violent. She was very, it, it comes from her background. Her mother was shot to death by her father in front of her when her, her mother's already passed away. I'm talking about Christina's mom. So it's Christina's grandmother was killed by her grandfather in front of her, in front of her mother. And uh, she was very troubled, had a lot of problems, and she could be a very aggressive, and very violent person to the point where my wife was scared of her own mother. And uh, they were afraid that she might harm her. And so they literally would send her to her grandmother's to spend time. And her grandmother would take her to church and uh she would take her to church a little church up there on sand mountain and it was there that she heard the gospel it was there that she finally accepted the lord as her savior when she was 12 years old you know she didn't after that she wasn't able to go anymore to that church because her grandmother wasn't able to drive and it wasn't regular and there was some other things going on but she had a she had a there was another church in the valley that came by her door one day she prayed for a year that God would send someone to help her go to church. And uh, one day someone came by with a bus and knocked on her door and asked if she'd like to go to church. And you know what her response is, where have you been? I've been waiting for a year. And uh, she started riding the church bus and she drove, she rode a church bus all the way through high school as a teenager, all the way through high school. She ended up after she graduated high school, God opened the door for her to go up here to Crown College and she went to Crown College. You know, when she got there, she didn't know hardly anything about the Bible. Uh, I won't tell you all the stories because she'll get, she won't get mad at me, but, but she didn't know anything about the Bible. And God used that in her life. You say, you say, is there a wrong person? No, there's no wrong people. You know, a lot of times, a lot of people would say, what's that little girl? You know, she's living up in their country. She's never going to amount to anything. She's a bus kid. She's not going to do anything for the Lord. Don't be that person. There is no wrong person. We need to go to everyone. We need to go to the wrong person. So we see he went the wrong way. He went to the wrong person. But number three, I want you to see that he also went at the wrong time. If you look there, it says, if you look in verse six again, it says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. If you know your time and it's Hebrew time, okay, but that means it was it was noon, okay? It was noon. It was high noon. Guess what? It wasn't the time for mass evangelism. Do you understand what I'm saying? There wasn't going to be any crowds at the well at noon. Uh, and it doesn't make maybe a lot of sense in, in America, but I understand it because we've lived over in Italy and places like that. In Italy, especially in the small villages, even to this day, when it hits noon, it's done, okay? I mean, everything shuts down. Everybody goes home for reposo. 
And uh, in the small villages, they don't even want, they don't want kids out playing. You're not supposed to be yelling, carrying on in the streets. Everybody's supposed to be quiet and nothing's supposed to happen to about three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Then everybody goes back to work and everybody goes back to whatever they're doing. Okay. But they, they literally have that tradition. And so this is very much a kind of a Middle Eastern European, uh, Mediterranean kind of tradition. So understand at noon, people didn't show up at the well. It was the wrong time to be at the well. But you know what? He knew the wrong person was going to be there, right? He knew that he'd gone the wrong way to beat the wrong person at the wrong time. And can I just tell you something? There's no wrong time to share the gospel. And a lot of times, you know, we have this idea, well, we got to be out there and it's got to be, you know, perfect timing for the mass evangelist act outreach. But think about this. How many of us accepted the Lord? Now, we might have, but think about this. We might have accepted the Lord at church. We might have accepted the Lord at a mass evangelistic outreach. But the truth is probably someone invited us, okay? Someone reached out to us. Someone was a friend to us. Someone loved us personally. In my case, it was my mom and dad, Sunday school teachers, pastors, all the different people that surrounded me. They loved me. They cared enough to share the gospel. Every one of you, if you think about in your life, there was probably someone, someplace, that reached out to you at the wrong time to try to reach you with the gospel. Uh, you know, I always think about when I came back here, when I came back uh, in, in March, I was up in Kentucky. My brother-in-law lives up in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I've tried to come back and practice what I preach, okay? And uh, so we went out. I was out walking. You know, like I said, I like to walk. And so I was out walking. And as I was out walking, I went down this road by my brother-in-law's and then they live kind of way out in the woods. And so I went down this road and then I turned, took a right, went down this road that went down towards the lake. They live up near the, if you guys know where land of the lake, land between the lakes is up there above uh, Clarksville. There's a couple big lakes up there. That's where they live up in that area. Anyway, they, uh, so I went down this road and when I went down, there was this man, he was pulling into this driveway with a little pickup truck with a, with a dump body on it, okay? And he had some gravel in the back. And I waved at him, just trying to be friendly. And he could wave back at me, and I went on my way down the road, and I got done, and I came back up the road because it was a dead end. I came back up, and I was thinking, well, he's not going to be there. He's going to dump his gravel. He's going to go on. I got there, and he, he was there. And he had his dump body picked up, and he had the gravel kind of rolling towards the back of the dump body, and he had a shovel, and he was shoveling the gravel off of the truck into the ditch by this drive. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go over here. God, God laid in my heart, go over here and meet him. Was it a convenient time? No. I mean, I had things I could do back at the house. I had things I needed to do, but there was a person that God put in my path that I could take some time. It was the wrong time, but it was the right time to meet this person and try to make a friend with him and try to share the gospel with him. And so I stepped over the across the road and I said, Hey, do you got a shovel? You know, I didn't start off with, are you born again? Are you, are you on the way to heaven? And I'm not saying that's wrong. Maybe God leads you to do that. But listen, I said, can you, do you got a shovel? And he said, sure, I got a shovel. I said, you got some gloves. I said, he said, he said yeah. And then he realized what I was asking. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to do. I said, no, give me the shovel. Give me the gloves. I'll help you shovel this gravel. Okay. So I got some shovel. He gave me a shovel, got his gravel. We started shoveling gravel together. And very quickly, we had an opportunity, what, to be able to start talking. And he was at, he, I asked him a little about himself, and then he asked me, well, what are you doing here? Where are you from? And I was able to share with him why I was there, my brother-in-law, and we were missionaries. And, and, you know, before too long, I was able to start sharing with him my testimony. You know, people say, well, what do I tell 
What do I tell people about Jesus? If you read the rest of this passage, and I didn't do it for the sake of time, listen, what did she do when she accepted Christ? She went back in the city and she said, come see the man that told me everything I ever did. Okay. She didn't give some big fancy dissertation of the gospel. She just told what God had done for her. Just tell them what God has done for you. Listen, they need to know there's a personal God that loves them, that died for them, and he wants to be their God, and he'll give them eternal life if they'll put their faith and trust in him. Listen, that's the difference between what we have and what religion has, okay? Religion is all about, you know, doing good works and being a good person and how you're going to make your way to heaven and all that. That's not the truth. The truth is what God has done for us and how he loves us personally, how he can change our lives. But listen, we got to get out of our way to share the gospel. And I'm so thankful I had a time, opportunity. His name was Mr. Fletcher. I had an opportunity to share with him the gospel. Now, he shared with me that he had already accepted the Lord. He gave me a good, plan, a good uh, presentation of how he had accepted the Lord. But then he asked me about his daughter. His daughter's name was Hannah. Hannah. And he said, could you pray for my daughter, Hannah? And we sat right there and prayed for his daughter, Hannah. And then I was, I've been praying for Hannah. Hannah has gotten, you know, whether she's saved or she's not saved. I suspect she's not saved, but she's away. She's up in college and she's living a very uh, wicked life. And her, her parents are concerned about her. But, you know, if I hadn't taken the time to stop and meet that person, then I would have never had the opportunity to be a blessing to him. I would have never had the opportunity to share the gospel with him, make sure that he had accepted Christ. I would have never heard about Hannah so I can pray about her. But you know what it took? It took time. And I think a lot of times in America, we're so busy. Zing, 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 zing. We always got something going. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what? We see someone, God lays on our heart. We need to say, I'm going to take time right now to be a blessing to that person and try to reach them with the gospel. Listen, Christ went to the, he went the wrong way. He went to the wrong person and he went at the wrong time. But he reached the right person in the right place at the right time. And that's what God wants us to do.